You are listening to a podcast from The National. Hello, I'm Mina Al-Arabi, Editor-in-Chief of The National, and welcome to a special edition of Beyond the Headlines. We're coming to you from Abu Dhabi, where we're here to discuss International Day of Youth, which is a day that's been mandated by the UN to be celebrated on the 12th of August of every year. It was brought in in 1999 as a way to get a focus on the importance of young people. And particularly since 2015, the UN Security Council resolution that spoke of young people's inclusion in peace and security agenda started to get people to question whether youth and those who are from a younger generation can actually be a part of building and sustaining peace. That is the theme of this year's International Day of Youth. And so today, we have gathered three young people working here at The National to talk about what it's like to be a young person in the Arab world today, some of the challenges that we face, but also the opportunities, and crucially, how young people can be part of building and sustaining peace in this region that is, in many ways, lacking of a vision for peace. So I will start by introducing Juman Jarallah, who works on the National News Desk. We have Nasr al-Wasmi, who is one of our senior writers on the Foreign Desk, and Mina Durubi, who is one of our senior writers on the National Desk. So welcome. Thank you for doing Thank us. You. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank Excited you, to be here. Okay, so I guess it would be nice for our listeners to know a little bit more about you before we have this conversation. So, Juman, if I can start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and also if you consider yourself young. Well, I'm 28. I turned 28 two weeks ago, so um, I feel like I'm pretty much past my peak. Um, although I'm told youth are officially up to the age of 35, which I think is generous. Um, I grew up here in the UAE and also in Bahrain, but I'm originally Palestinian. I'm also an American citizen, uh, but I studied in the UK, so that is my background. Um, I've been at the National for two and a half years, working on the news desk, so I'm pretty familiar with like UAE news, being a young person in the UAE. Good. Well, we'll come to that shortly. Uh, Mina, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I've been living in London most of my life. Uh, I just joined the National nearly two months ago. Uh, it's been a very exciting journey. I'm 29 years old. Um, it's pretty much pretty similar. I've uh, got pretty similar viewpoints to Juman. Um, so yeah, trying to make the most of living in the UAE as a young person. And Nasser? So I'm actually used to being on the other side of this microphone, being the one interviewing. But um, I'm 29 two weeks away from turning 30, which I think is officially not young, not <laughs> part of the youth anymore. Uh, born and raised in Kuwait, I moved to the UAE about three uh, three years ago. Uh, well, I've been pretty much coming to the UAE since I was five, because I do have family that lives here. Thank you. Okay, so I want to start with, um, you know, one of the issues that continuously has been spoken about for at least the last decade is that there is a youth bulge in the Middle East, that there is the challenge of unemployment amongst young people. We're at 30% unemployment across the region at the moment. Um, and the women's participation in the workforce at the moment is only 22% in the region. So there is the challenge of young people not finding jobs, but specifically 
young women not finding jobs in the region. And so I wanted to talk about to you about that, how you feel the region can improve how it appeals to young people, but also how we create those jobs. Now, the UAE is different in the sense that many people actually come here in search of jobs and find that this has become a place of opportunity. Nasser, I'll start with you. Yeah, so uh, speaking about the UAE, actually uh, a few years ago, I don't know if it's still the case, but it was uh, actually the one of the few countries where women were more educated than the men, which leads a lot to how uh, what the, dire- the direction that we have to go in to actually start employing the youth. As you said, the youth bulge is huge in the region, but it extends even beyond that because perceptions of what some, you know, an, a young Arab extend even beyond the, you know, into a regionally recognized 35. It goes up to 40 in some cases. So education obviously is key, but how we educate and in what manner and to what extent is probably uh, the only path forward. Education, Draman, what would be your take on that? It's a kind of it's kind of a tough one. Um, I have younger siblings who studied abroad, and when they came back here, were searching for jobs. I have a younger brother, so he had the whole like, once he turned eighteen, had to find a job in order to stay here. Um, and it was honestly, they didn't struggle as much as I did coming back. Um, I think part of the difficulty of finding a job here is. Um, different platforms to look for jobs like there there are certain like websites where you can search for things but they're not very well maintained I don't think um unless you really like you have family here or people know people I feel like that's the best way so I feel like that's a somewhere to start to making maybe making these things a bit more accessible um also with like the economy the way that it is at the moment or at least the way it was when I graduated um I think it made it difficult for fresh graduates to find work, but often those are the people that are most like eager to to contribute. So I think maybe the youth are not being not taken advantage of, but uh, harnessed in in the way that they should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, this idea of of actually creating opportunities. So I think sometimes when we talk so much about jobs and job creation. It's what that actually means in terms of your life. So without a job, without feeling that you have a place in society, you can come to that point of frustration. And unfortunately, most people translate that into, oh, my God, this becomes a security threat. But it's not about being a security threat. It's exactly what you said, Jamal. It's about harnessing that potential that you have. And that in some way, that's one of the real treasures of the region that we can grow as a people. Um, you know, the idea is that apparently the young workforce, i.e. age between 15 and 24, so you guys missed that boat, um, by 2025, we'll have 58 million young people between 15 and 24 um, looking for for new jobs coming into the job market. So, and that, without those jobs, there is a sense of a lack of agency and a dependency on society, on family, and so forth. It makes it very hard to be innovative, to really thrive. I think that's key. Uh, so many countries in the region, in the Gulf countries especially, they uh, pay full scholarships for people to go abroad. Now, the stigma, my dad's generation was, you're going abroad, you're getting an education, you're doing it in engineering, you're doing it in, in medicine, you're going to become a doctor when you come back. Now, the scholarships go across the board. You can go and get a PhD in art history if you want, but where the countries will find the challenge is employing those people so that that person who comes back with a degree in psychiatry doesn't end up working in a bank. 
that sense of agency that you mentioned. And I think that's uh, where you start placing people and actually so that they can contribute back to society. I think that's, uh, that's the continuation of education, really. Um, I also think, I mean, I've lived in London most of my life and I studied there. Um, and when I, when I finished, when I graduated, which was, which was about six years ago, I found it very tough, to be honest, to find a job or even to find an internship. And I've graduated from a London university. Um, but I find coming to the UAE, uh, I do find that your achievements and your dreams can actually be fulfilled. I think there's a greater chance for me to achieve what I have in my mind as in being an employee in the, in, in the, in the national. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> that will be noted in Mina's appraisal. Just a plug. And I do feel as though being um, a resident of the UAE at the moment, I can achieve my dreams in a quicker time. Uh, rather than being in, in a European city where there's a lot more competition. Um, there's a lot more people that have that come from sim similar backgrounds, whether they have um, a master's or a PhD or even just a, um, an undergrad degree. Um, so I feel there's a lot more opportunity in the UAE to prosper. Yeah, it's quite years. interesting because, of course, we see year after year with the Arab Youth Survey that the number one country of choice to come to, to move to, for young Arabs it is the UAE. So I guess in some ways we're, we're lucky for that. But, you know, I think sometimes people look at just, you know, the headline of, well, you know, people want to come to the UAE, it's natural. But what it is about the UAE that makes people want to come here, I think in large part is that, is that you can achieve um, your dreams in some ways, but also that there is a rule of law and there is a sense of stability and safety that unfortunately we don't see as much of in the region, which takes me to this point about young people's inclusion in the peace and security agenda. Um, I want to turn to that because I wanted to um, ask you, Juman, about this, about do you feel that young people actually have a voice in trying to resolve some of the, you know, very long um, conflicts and issues in the region if we start with the Palestinian occupation or if we go into other issues? I mean, do you find that young people even feel, one, listened to or engaged in these issues? Um, that's a tough one because... Obviously, the Arab Spring showed us that the youth are capable of creating their own change. Um, whether that led to a to the conclusion that they wanted is, is different, but at least they kick-started it. Um, I think it's easy to feel defeated, uh, especially speaking as a Palestinian, about the situation. Um, it's difficult to say, to be honest. Uh, you see a lot of this kind of abroad as well, though, that... Um, like the youth are being more engaged in like in in voting and things like that in political debates which is nice um we have i think a bit less of that here uh so i'm not answering this well at all no i <laughs> think i think you raise a point because i think it is it's not an easy question to to answer uh in large part you're right about being active you know you can raise your voice about something but if you feel that it's not going to end up leading to a conclusion then it's better to disengage, especially because politics, I mean, our parents' generations, I know definitely for my parents' generation, being involved in politics actually led to much more heartache yes. than it led to any sort of results. So I know we were raised to say, stay out of politics. Um, not that we necessarily heeded what they said, <laughs> um, but there is a sense of actually, you can have your dreams dashed much quicker if you're thinking of public service or unfortunately getting involved in politics. I also think that politicians these days, they need to sort of make sure that young people um, believe that they have the ability 
um, to make a change in this world, to give them that kind of sense of, um, of fulfillment, that they do have a place and they, they can play a role on, on the next generation's decision makers. And um, so I feel as though it can be something that, that the politicians need to change. Maybe just their viewpoints or just the way they approach um, youth in the Middle East. Because I always feel like this point is very much neglected by governments. I mean, of course, amid all the instability that, that they have to deal with. Yeah, it's interesting because I think this issue of talking about youth or dealing with youth almost became trendy for a while. And so it would be included in a particular you know, uh, statement that comes out and so forth, but it's not actually implemented. And also, you're right. I mean, it's like young people are often referred to as being the future, but the reality is they're the present. And that's that's what counts, that the present at the moment needs politicians to, to be wise up to that. Although we do have younger leadership today in many parts of our world, especially when we look at some of those who are rising in the ranks in the GCC, you actually do get a more youthful voice that you're that you're seeing, it, whether it's in ministerial level, ambassadorial level, which again, I think is more reflective of our populations. In some countries, over 50% are young people. And, you know, when we talk about the region, I mean, it's almost difficult to talk about, about it as a homogeneous social mm-hmm. structure because when you have an entire generation of Syrian refugees, millions of people my age that have just been out of school for years, kind of difficult to uh, compare that to what's happening for he- here in the UAE, for example. But to a lesser extent, I can compare it to... Uh, I mean, to a lesser extent, it's happening in Kuwait. The level of education has gone down, especially in the public schooling system. And you find younger, uh, I mean, younger than myself, even though I do fall in the youth <laughs> bracket, but disengaged, as you said, with uh, with politics. When you look at, you know, the Arab personality and you look at the idea of standing for something politically, be it, you know, if you're... Uh, socialist parties from back in the day or whatever it is, but there was that aspiration to be involved in politics or if not to be involved as, as your career, at least to have a grasp mm-hmm. of what's going on in the region. And I think that's key. I mean, when we as Arabs coming from all around the region now understand the crises that are happening in other countries, it makes you instantly be involved, whether it is the Palestinian-Israeli uh, conflict or what's happening in Syria. You raise a really good point about the issue of refugees because there is, of course, one of the biggest trends that we've seen, at least in the last decade, is displacement. And, of course, the Syrian crisis has led to the highest level of displacement since the Second World War. And so you have about 4 million children and young people who are either out of school or don't have any sort of trajectory of what comes next. And that lack of stability is going to impact our future here in the region and especially for Syria and the surrounding countries in the next five to ten years, you have uh, an entire generation in Iraq that's only known either war or sanctions or invasion or yet more war. Um, And yet, if we turn it on its head, there's also some great dynamism here and also opportunity. And I think often for us to remember the opportunity, it's difficult when we go down and we count all the challenges that are facing us. And perhaps one of the greatest opportunities is seeing individual achievements. And Nasser, I agree with you, just like we can't talk about the region as a whole, we also can't talk about young people as a whole because of either opportunity that they've had or brilliance that individuals have had. So we've seen 
everything from some of the youngest ministers in the world being out of the Arab world to some of the youngest designers, uh, scientists, and so forth who are from the region. And that goes back to your point about education. Do you think our education systems are allowing those who are brilliant to come forth, or do they have to go abroad? Going abroad, I mean, it's not essential. I mean, especially when you start looking at the universities that are opening up here, not only the, the Western imports like NYUAD, but when you look at Cairo University and you start looking at uh, you know, the, the universities in Beirut and in the region, they're, they've produced some of the greatest minds, not of just the region, but of the world. And you know, that's a thing that I think Arabs uh, need to remember, that we are historically thinkers. We are historically intellectuals and scientists and whatnot. And that's not to say to live in the past, but to know that you could aspire to be a lot more. Indeed. So turning on from what we can aspire to, Mina, can I turn to you and ask that as we celebrate International Youth Day, what do you aspire to and what do you hope young people in the region aspire to? I just, I really hope that young people can unite together because unity will only, you know, bring prosperity and will only bring um, a greater good. So I really do hope that this day raises awareness among young people all over the world that they can always stand together together uh, to voice their concerns and to voice their opinions um, and to ensure that their, that their position is always sort of evident within uh, society, within their homes, within their workplace. And, and that can have an impact on the government's decision-making as well. Um, so I think it comes down to unity and um, sort of being felt, have, having a feeling for inclusion as well. Juman? Um. <laughs> to, not to be very vague, but to feel fulfilled, generally. Um, to feel like I have more control over my life <laughs> would be nice. Um, but for the region, I just want to see, uh, this sounds very lame, but I just want to see everybody, this is this goes back to what Nasser was talking about, about like with privilege and um, opportunities afforded to people in different parts of the region. Having, making sure that every young person has a decent education, has decent opportunities, um, having them realize that they have agency and they can uh, participate in political things to try and manifest their own destiny is important. But I think, unfortunately, that doesn't just sit at a youth level because there's no point in young people uh, participating in all this stuff if in the end like certain things don't change at a higher level. Um, so my aspiration would be at least to get everybody engaged in a way that, that eventually people have to listen. So uh, in the 60s and 70s in Kuwait, GDP growth was at 400%. 400%. That meant that you could become a millionaire by just choosing an industry working, and you'd be rewarded. And I mean, if money is a form of success, then you were successful in Kuwait back then. Now, I think the millennial problem, and not to discredit anything that you know I say or anyone my age says, but we're constantly you know, struggling and finding this purpose. And then, uh, I think earlier this year, I met uh, a kid, 17-year-old Iraqi kid in Amman, Ibrahim Al-Abusi, and he'd been a refugee since he was seven, going from Iraq and going to Syria only to have the crisis happen, and then he had to flee to Amman. This guy spoke fluent English, 
having never learned English. He he told he told me that he learned it from from just watching movies, and he was accepted into one of the best schools in Amman. A a uh, it was, you know, live a a, a study abroad, not a study abroad, a um, scholarship. Yeah, boarding he got it completely. Scholarship. Yeah, boarding school, a scholarship yeah. for a boarding school. So. Obviously, yeah, education. But I can't when I when I look at him, and especially when I think about him, I I start to think that, you know, maybe our problems, the, the millennial problem as it is, is just something that we use as as an excuse. Uh, so when it comes to my aspirations, obviously, my entire life I've done journalism, and I just want to see journalism progress in the region, and I want this whole fight with fake news to kind of come to an end, and really uh, see the challenges that journalists, young journalists especially, can overcome in honest, good, you know, fundamental reporting. Thank you. Well, we're coming to a close. I'll pose one last question to you three, which is, does International Youth Day actually count? Do these international days that are mandated by the UN mean anything to us? Yeah, I think it does. Um, I think even though they may not have a long-term effect, uh, just for us to be in this room, for us to be talking about it makes a difference and to sort of raise awareness about um, youth empowerment um, and youth uh, and what, you know, what the youth can, can do to, um, to affect the future. I think that's very important. Nasser? So... I think it's always important to have a sense of occasion, you know, and having a calendar year that's filled with international days celebrating different aspects of our life, be it something as important as youth engagement or empowerment, or a couple of weeks ago it was the International Day for French fries. So, <laughs> priority. Yesterday was Cat Day. Can we just. <laughs> Yesterday was Cat Day, exactly. Oh, this one so, in a way, yes, it's good to recognize it and especially to. Uh, push people to think about it, especially those who might never consider youth engagement as part of their daily uh, thought process or never give it really a thought. So I do think that it serves a certain function. But for those who work in it and or those who are young or part of the youth bracket, I think that's a daily reality. Jamal? I'm going to sound like a negative Nancy, um, but I don't particularly feel like this day is like does anything for me as a youth. Um, other than, than now talking about it, um, I've never like celebrated this day in a particular way. Um, I think if we're thinking about people like on the ground, I don't know if it has meaning necessarily because you're assuming, not to like rattle on about privilege, you're assuming a level of privilege of like if you know that it's International Youth Day and that you're going to have certain activities that you're going to take part in. Um, so it, perhaps it is, it's like a work in progress and it will mean more to people in future, or maybe it'll become obsolete because we won't have to focus on the youth. We just always will be. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's a really good point because it becomes a vehicle yeah. to an end. So it shouldn't in itself be an end, but it is a vehicle. And I think you're right. I mean, when it brings us together to discuss it, but even on a wider scale, you see events throughout the year, including uh, a celebration that will be taking place at the UN headquarters, where at least for a moment, people have to take stock and, and focus on it. But again, it, it's definitely not an 
end in itself, but it becomes a means to getting to an end where you have much more inclusion. And I think especially in a region like ours where you have certain countries with, like I said, 50% of the population being under 35, there needs to be more and more policies geared towards that, but also for young people to feel that they're part of the conversation. Thank you so much to Jumanja Allah, Nasr al-Wasmi, and Mina Durubi for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. You can read about some of our coverage of International Youth Day, but many more stories on thenational.ae. Please also download the iTunes channel for Beyond the Headlines and the National's other podcast, Business Extra. Thank you so much. Thank you.